like I get it we're super charming you want to hang with us but also like just listen to the play it'll just make well, listen to the play it's like backstage but there's no stage it's the standby for places green room welcome to in the green room Hi, everybody. Welcome to In the Green Room. Today, we are discussing the new play Shakespearean Support Group that you can listen to on Standby for Places right now. The episode is live. And we're talking today with the writer, Kimi Honda Brown, and the director, Francesca Shea. How are you guys today? Doing good. Super good. <laughs> Well, as I was saying to you before we were recording, this is a, a play about uh, Shakespeare characters and they discuss mental health and trauma and working through their issues. So it's all things that I love hearing about, talking about. Um, I, I really enjoyed the play. Uh, how did how did this come to be, Kimmy? So the idea came to me as I was on the phone with my mom during my junior year of college, and I was talking about how much I loved The Good Place TV show, yeah. um, which is still one of my hands down favorite shows, but they use such a lighthearted vehicle to talk about so many real philosophical issues and especially moral issues that come with our day-to-day -day struggles. And I was talking about how they do it in such a way that you're not afraid to talk about it. And also it's, it's a really convenient way to drop into the character's world because it's so silly and you instantly like and understand the character. So you're not spending time trying to decide whether or not you like them. You either like them or you don't. And then you just kind of see them experience life in a really nonsense way. And I was like, oh, kind of like everybody knows Shakespeare characters. And I was like thinking about Shakespeare characters and how like you say them and usually people know who they are. And they're like, oh yes, I'm, I've at least heard of that play. And I thought what if you could use iconic characters to then also talk about really serious things like mental health? Um, and then I started, again, this was like, as I was driving around running errands, like talking to my mom, just like stream of consciousness. And I was thinking about how all Shakespeare characters go through a lot of really bad things. And we're like, ha ha ha, classic Shakespeare for a plot device. Like we get why he wrote it like that. But if you were to actually go through the things that they went through, oh my God, like so much trauma and so much like pain in it. Even the good things that happen, like the comedies that end in a happy marriage or like everyone's happy. It's still like, oh, you kind of went through a lot of things. You don't want to spend maybe a day to process before you get married or think about things that's more than three days long. No, you're just going to keep going. Um, and then I was thinking about it and I was like, oh, I feel so bad for these characters. Like Benvolio was the first one I thought about in Romeo and Juliet. And I was like, he's so young and he has so much to go through and he loses all his friends. And I was like, I get sad just because of depression. And I wake up and I go, whoopsie doopsies, I guess I'm sad. And I'm like, I can't even imagine going through something that extreme. And so that's how the idea came to me. And I was like, oh, what if I could use these Shakespeare characters in like an imaginary world and like put them in some sort of room where they can talk about things. And then I went, okay, forget the idea. And then I had the opportunity to apply to a research grant um, through the University of Utah where I went to college. And so then I took this as an opportunity to research philosophy and mental health and Shakespeare. And so I applied for this grant to then use some um, use the research to do something creative, which was this play that I'd come up with. And so I spent my um, last semester of senior year 
studying philosophy and talking to the youth counseling center and like having interviews with like many different counselors and therapists and then reading the Shakespeare shows and writing it. And that's kind of how it came to be. Oh, I also did um, personal interviews with like people who I like would put out a form and I was like, if anyone wants to talk about their mental health journey, let me know. And like, we'll, we'll get to know each other. And so I got to do that as well. So that's kind of how the play came to be. And then uh, we'd have moments of focusing on it and really working on it. And then pandemic hit. And then I was like, oh, okay, like who knows? And then something would come up and be like, I should look at that play again. And then Chessie brought this idea to me and I went, let's dig it back out because I still really love it. Thank you for coming to my TED talk. That is the long story of how it came to be. <laughs> so, so Francesca came to you about doing an audio version? Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. How, how have you collaborated before the two of you? Yeah, so Kimmy and I went to undergrad together um, at, at the University of Utah. So we have been friends and, you know, we're doing sort of student production stuff for most of that time that we were in school together. And then uh, when pandemic stuff happened, we um, were kind of like still, you know, collaborating and zooming and whatever and she was working on this play then and so she was like oh will you read drafts of it um while she was working and I like watched her presentation and stuff that she had to give for the grant and all this stuff and just like for fun um and so then over the summer that summer I was like oh this play's so interesting and it's always been sort of like percolating back there and then I saw the stuff about standby places and I was trying to think about what kind of show I would want to do as an audio play and I was like oh this is this play that I just like had kind of again also like put back there and been like that's something to think about but not now but then I was like oh maybe this is maybe this is the moment for it so then we, we dug it out and and now we can listen to it was it was it strange um I mean I guess it was strange for everybody when the pandemic hit and we all kind of had to look around and figure out exactly what to do with ourselves. But was it strange um, approaching it from an audio perspective or was that something that you thought about or done before? It was a potential iteration of the show that we had discussed because um, I was supposed to have like a staged reading and like a workshop series to like read it and like do some edits. So I never really got to hear it in person or to do like the classic new works workshop of it. Um, And I was like super stubborn and Chessie was like, what if it's just like audio? And I was like, I refuse. And then after months and months went by, I went, you know what? I don't think that's actually that bad of an idea. And it was actually really lovely because this play was really thick and it was really long and there was like so many things to talk about so to have a very specific container to look at it through allowed me to edit it down in a way that I think it's not necessarily like this is the this is the audio version only and like and then I can never use it for anything other than that like I think it's the play has now really evolved into a lovely place that it can as is be the in-person show and kind of be in any different iteration, whether it's an audio play, a Zoom play or in-person. So it was in the long run, a really lovely way to address the show and to edit it down and to be like, okay, like what is the point of this scene? Like, what was this about? Like, oh, I really liked this conceit, but it kind of just never really worked out. Or like, oh, 
this is now an audio play. Like, so this whole nonsense that I created is probably useless, but you know what? I do really like it. I'm going to keep it in there, but just for this version, we're not going to do it. Cause I had a lot of like stage direction of like characters mingling as their characters. Um, and those are things that I was like, you know, I really don't want to get rid of this, but it's truly characterization. Um, and so it's nice for the actors to be able to read it and be like, oh, cool. Like that totally is on brand for this character, but obviously had no purpose in this audio play, but it helped me realize what really mattered to me versus what was kind of uh, derailing the show. Interesting. Yeah. So you were able to assess it from a completely different lens. Yeah. Do you feel similarly as as a director? Had you done audio before? Was this a, a new challenge for you? This this was definitely a new challenge. Um, I've unfortunately done a lot of Zoom theater, so I had some experience oh. in the online realm. And so that that was helpful because the challenge of like everybody's in a different space and you don't get that like kinesthetic energy of like we're all around the same table. How do we then still like be a company and work on work together. Mm -hmm. So I've sort of been figuring out that challenge, but the idea of an audio play and like, okay, sound wise, if you're not getting anything, if you're not like getting to meet these characters in any sort of space, and it's, it's like, there, there's nothing to accept what they're giving you with their voices. What do you need to like focus on? And how does that affect tempo and pacing and things like that has all been really interesting to kind of discover and and play with as we went. Um, but I feel like similarly to Kimmy, you know, there was a lot in the piece already that it was like, okay, we can use all of this. It's not like it's all useless. <laughs> but now it's like figuring out how to like zero in even more and like be really focused because there's not like you don't get the luxury of 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 being distracted really when you're in the audio play format. Mm -hmm. You gotta like stay stay on message. <laughs> Amen. I, I directed uh, Twelfth Night for Standby for Places, which is why it was so funny to be like, oh, Valentine's in this play. <laughs> um, I, I was going to ask, like, how, how, um, I, I want to know how you uh, picked the, the Shakespearean characters that would make an appearance. But I'm also curious. Uh, for, first, I'd like to know, um, because we're talking about like rehearsing on Zoom, the like virtual rehearsal room. Um, what what was that like? Because Kimmy, you also performed. You were, you played Miranda, yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. What was what was the rehearsal room room like for for both of you for everybody? Yeah. I mean, um, oh no, you go, you go, <laughs> you okay. go, director. <laughs> Um, I mean, it's, it's a very different rehearsal room. I feel like you start off like more awkward, I would say. I feel like there's a lot more, especially like from a directing perspective where I'm like, I need to make up for the fact that this is weird for everyone by being just so much all the time. Um, so I feel like that's definitely part of it, but, and like learning to be like, okay, you can tone that down now. You don't need to, you know, compensate. Um, I think that what I have learned is really important is like ha making it very fun and like doing a lot of games and taking time to check in and like it's I think easy on zoom to be like we're straight to business now because we don't have that like five minutes where everyone's wandering in and putting down their stuff and talking about their day and like so we're just gonna but it's important to like still leave time for that I feel like it's been one of the biggest things to learn and be like we should still have time for 
for play and for goofing around because that's going to serve us later on. It's not like a waste of time. Yeah, uh, Francesca is my favorite director of all time. Uh, she is the best and she is the always uh, seeking new techniques to apply in the rehearsal room and always curious of trying new things, whether they like work or not. And a lot of the time they work because she's amazing. Um, and so it was a really lovely space to be a part of. And she created this like, oh my God, why did I forget the name? But like this kind of like set of expectations slash like code of values. And we like talked about it and like, it was like a collaborative Google doc. And so like the cast could like write things that they liked or write things that they're like, oh, what about this? Like, oh, I thought this was really intriguing. Um, and some of the things on it were really exciting as an actor and also like just as an artistic creative where it was like talking about decolonizing the rehearsal room and decolonizing the structure of time and being able to question the standards of theater that we have been just kind of forced to deal with and being like oh we can choose to do it but like let's talk about it and make it a choice versus the only option with no flexibility whatsoever but also being effective and trusting that like hey, we're all on the same page and we know that we like really only have 30 minutes to do this scene. So like, let's do this. So I never felt, I never felt stressed in the room, but I always felt really efficient and also so fun because like theater is fun. That's why we do it. And like, I think that really, that focus of fun and community, community guidelines, community guidelines, that's what it's called. Um, but that focus of fun and community was so necessary for the show because by the end of the show, all the characters create that community and like you can tell the difference between the beginning of the show when they're strangers and they're afraid to trust and they're also still like very traumatized versus like traumatized humans that are learning how to trust it's like and then there was this great energy and it wasn't even like we didn't have to be like time to act friendly with each other it was just like we would read it and we we're like oh my god like this is how we would talk and this is the energy of like of just like joyful friendliness that we that the show needed <laughs> I love the idea of a community guidelines, sort of like uh, setting the tone kind of thing. Francesca, mm -hmm. what, 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 what made you do that? <laughs> I would love to say that that was like all my idea, and I'm brilliant and amazing, but it's super not. Um, so Your moment, claim it. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. But so the the idea it, it came first from uh, Broadway Advocacy Coalition has this was talking a lot about like you know what next and like as in approaching the work for the room how to sort of make sure that the values that we're all trying to improve upon in our everyday lives like still come back with us to the theater space and it's not like okay now we're that we're back to rehearsing like none of that mattered we didn't learn you know kind of thing and so i read a lot and did a lot of research from that um, and so then a lot of it's stolen from many different directors and people who I admire, but the idea was that, you know, if we're going to have this space and especially if we're going to do this like crash course, we're doing a play in a month and we're just going to find out what happens, uh, kind of process, we need to make sure that like everybody's meeting each other and like being where they're supposed to be and like being honest with what they want to give to this project and what they want this project to give to them, which I feel like was a big part of that is making sure that goals and expectations were set from the beginning and it wasn't like with judgment but rather just literally having the time to discuss what they were and to discuss 
how we wanted to exist together as a little community in the space. What a great way to like build a team so that you're all working towards something common. That's that's very cool. I'm going to poach that idea, I think. Please, <laughs> I really like that. Do. And I love the way it sounds like it was yeah. quite a collaborative communal experience. Yeah, and I mean, I think that what was I I did a lot of the front end work because I was like as some one of the people who's being compensated for working on this and all of my actors were being so lovely and donating their time because they are amazing human beings um but I was like okay I'm gonna put some of do that legwork of like here's rehearsal and here's you know research and guidelines and things that I'm gonna start with but then we're gonna all take the time to talk about it because it's not just my room it's everybody's room yeah. Um, and so that, yeah, it was great. They were all very lovely, collaborative people. So it was, it was great to, to work with them and talk about it and get to see what that would be. It is interesting how during the pandemic, all the theater people like talked to each other and we all kind of found out, uh, problems in, in the industry and in the community and, and things that could be improved in ways that we could use our communal power to, invite progress and and treat each other a little better and then i i did notice and i've talked to some of my other actor and director friends about like as we move not out of the pandemic because it is still very much happening but as broadway is reopening and auditions are happening in person again it is strange to to come out of that kind of wanting to hold on to all the things we discovered and feeling the like pull back into the way things were before bizarre isn't it it's 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 very weird it's like the the allure of like oh this is familiar and comfortable and like what we did before things were crazy and i didn't know what the world was like i could just go back into that and like pretend nothing happened but then it's like the other thought of like okay well we weren't happy there <laughs> so why would we go back you know like it the discomfort of changing and like moving forward is so much less than the discomfort of being in that container that didn't really work, you know? Yeah, which which is also true of things like group therapy and addressing one's trauma, like mm -hmm. the, the actual confrontation of it feels really scary and painful in the moment. I speak as somebody who goes to therapy at least once a week, but it's so much better than than carrying around these burdens. And you, you guys are so right. The, the Shakespeare characters go through some stuff. Um, so, okay. how. I have to know how, which, why certain characters made the cut for this casting call? Like, why, why did you pick the ones that you picked? I'm picturing like a chorus line situation. <laughs> um, oh, I, I do wish that there was like some crazy extensive process, but I, I really just picked like the characters that made my heart ache the most. And like, like this versus started with Benvolio where I was like, bummer. And I was like, you know who else had it bad? Horatio, like they both went through the same thing where literally everyone around them died. And that's a fat bummer. And then I was thinking <laughs> about- The thing that we all know, it's that that is a fat bummer. Fat bummer, quote unquote, the, the title of the yeah, interview is for the, if you take for the away show. anything else that's, that's the, the main takeaway today stone cold bummer mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then i was thinking about 
so I thought about those two characters. And so I was like, well, obviously, like, I guess the rules that I'm now establishing for myself are the characters, if they die in their story, they die. Like that's the end. So that events that happen in the story, I'm not changing anything in the play. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just thinking about these characters after the fact. Um, and so then I started thinking about like the more like femme identifying characters. And I thought about, and also these are all Shakespeare shows that I've read. And so that was a thing too, of like my uh, frame of reference. Mm -hmm. And I love Rosalind with all my heart. That is a character that I just have always really admired and identified with. And I went, you know what, even though they're the main character, they had a very, very bad time. Like, not a lot of like, even though it's like a comedy and it's like supposed to be cheeky and flirty, it's like super stressful to have to hide your identity because like there's real risk in that. And then I thought about uh, another play of a character that is truly not involved a lot, Miranda from The Tempest. And I was like, oh my God, Miranda. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I have like such a soft spot for that character because I think there's just like, she had such little control in her life for so long. And she, even at the end of the actual Shakespeare show, she doesn't even realize any of it. Like, you know, like there's sometimes there's a point in a play where it goes, hey, I didn't like the way I was treated or I didn't like how that's, so I'm going to change now. But like, at least I'm happy here. She just is like, okay, cool. Like, guess this is what I'm doing. And, and I was like, that's such a bummer. And she's only in like, what, like four scenes in the entire show. Um, because I was also curious about extras and the, you know, this, the characters that really do come in for like a scene and a half and like are like- Valentine or Valentine. Yes, 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 yes. Um, and with that, uh, cause the, the, one of the characters that I was the most excited to kind of play with was, um, that character because can I talk about is this is it okay it's if I spoiler alert, it? but yeah, yeah it's a spoiler spoiler, spoiler. If you haven't listened so you haven't, don't been forewarned watch. also go listen to the play it's live yeah, like, <laughs> it, it would be confusing if you were watching this before you listen to it anyway yeah, like, I'm, I'm sure that you know we'll wait we'll just you know what like I get it we're super charming you want to hang with us but also like just listen to the play it'll just make listen to the play <laughs> okay so so from um, this point on if things are spoiled for you that is your problem it is your <laughs> I problem. love antagonizing our audience <laughs> <laughs> better so yes yeah, spoilers ahead continue spoilers um uh so the character of valentine valentine uh the the conceit was i i was so intrigued about the character of fleance from macbeth because i was like oh poor little boy and he just like disappears after like all the sad stuff happens. And then he goes away. And I was like, what happened to him? Also, he is a child, like a literal child, like comparatively to a lot of them are really young. He's not okay. Yeah. Like he cannot be okay. And like, who are his guardians? Who could he trust? And so then that was the start of thinking about that character of really challenging my creativity of like, okay, so what happens after? And that was the one I had the most fun with because I was like, wait a minute, like what are the logistics of what would happen to him? Like he probably like lived on the street. He probably like couldn't get a job because again, like a child or if it was a job, it was something really grueling. And then because of his political affiliations, I was like, there probably were like people that really didn't like him because we see things like that happen all the time and what he stood for, which is nothing. Cause again, a child, like he was just blood related to someone. Um, 
And so I started playing with this whole thing of like the witness protection and all that stuff. And I was like, that's so fun. And then I was like, how can he get involved in this group then? If that is the case, like what is that tie to it all? Um, and then with Helena was another character that from A Midsummer's Night Dream that I have always been like, oh, what a bummer of a character. And it started really shallow until I reread the play. And I was like, wow she was not having a good time even casually like she was literally threatened multiple times and everyone everyone hated her and then suddenly they're like okay like we're good now and I was so then I started thinking about like her relationship and what could happen after that and hers actually took a very interesting turn because in the first iteration of the play her therapy session and her her relationship with Demetrius was very very different because I had a very specific goal in mind and then giving it some air and coming back to it I was like you know what my heart for Helena has changed and I I want her to have more justice because there was this whole thing with like the Shakespeare characters never like breaking true love and so in the first iteration she initially like doesn't leave Demetrius they're still together and like she and their the session is much much different and then I was like that doesn't make sense like she's a smart person and also like I think she deserves more and then I was like well what if like the big thing was her questioning the relationship and um and that was another thing too because I really liked the idea of her being like a social media influencer I don't know why I just felt like that was very Helena <laughs> um and then yeah so though that's kind of it, it was very uh it's very personally driven and also like I was just really curious about these particular characters they're characters that I always have liked in the shows like when I would leave and be like that was my like leave reading it I'd be like Horatio was my favorite or like oh Benvolio has my heart or like Rosalind's a badass or like it was something where the character that would spark my interest was the character that I started reading about and then I was like oh I don't like the things that happened to them in this story or I do not think that they would be okay and as i learned from ted lasso uh the happiest <laughs> most okay people who bolster other people are sometimes the ones who need the most help yeah yeah i know i vibed with benvolio because i i too personally have have felt survivor's guilt and things like that and and it was um cathartic hearing him work through it and things like that uh is there not not uh, not a pick your trauma kind of question, but is there a Shakespearean character you each identify with personally, whether it's their story or the way they handle things or? Ooh, that's such a difficult question. Um... <laughs> and there's a time limit. This is a quiz. Go. Oh, <laughs> gotta go fast. Um... Um, I mean, I guess to give Francesca some more time, to be honest, all of the characters do have, like in this play, have a little bit of like me in it. Mm. particularly with my mental health journey. Like there have been a lot of conversations that I had with my personal therapist that I did put into the show, which is because like that was from my container of knowledge of things and reasons why I related to the characters. Cause like I've like the part about Rosalind asking about using different pronouns, like that's a personal experience of mine. Horatio questioning why he's still alive and why and why it's harder to live versus to die. Um, 
like Miranda and Benvolio both like wanting control, but in a way to either like control over their own life or the control to like not hurt other people. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I, I do really, I do really love all of them. And I don't know if I could pick one because of that lens that I have. Um, but if I were to just probably listen to the show, I feel like I would, I would relate the most to like Benvolio with his desire to not like cause, to not mess things up and to like try really, really hard to do the right thing. Yet like something bad still happens. I feel like that's a thing that every day that I'm like, oh my God, like I'm trying my best and still like this external thing happened or like this person's mad. And like, I don't, I, I'm so tired. It'd be easier to just remove myself. Right. And, to and not- that's somehow my responsibility. <laughs> I always was a big, I saw As You Like It two summers ago and I was always a big Rosalind fan because she just has, she has such a fun arc in that play where there's just so much of her just being like, just gonna trick everyone and have a ridiculous time and like then as we worked on it here i'm like oh man all of that again fat bummer but like in the when you're watching it you're like this girl's so cool what a fun life she leads um then also i feel like i always have this uh, i have this affinity to hermia from midsummer night's dream because when i was in like seventh grade i like we did a production of it in my english class and i always got to be hermia and that was like my first time like doing any sort of Shakespeare or whatever. And I was like, this is so fun. I love this character. So then uh, because of that, I feel like she's always in the back of my mind. I'm like, just have this little soft spot for her, you know? Mm-hmm. But they're, I hope my life never resembles any of their lives, but <laughs> they're all, they're, there's a lot of, there's a lot of fun ones in there. There's a lot of, a lot of good, good guys, good friends. <laughs> Is there a, a Shakespeare play that either of you would be interested in exploring sometime down the road as a project or even working together on? <laughs> um, we have like oh, a... Oh my God. <laughs> I forgot about this idea. Is this a hot cake? Is this a scoop? Um, oh my yeah, God. This is a secret scoop. Um, well, not really, because I told like everybody I knew about this idea when I first had it, but I really want you know how they made all they made like 10 things i hate about you and like she's the man and they were like we're gonna make all these like fun high school modern day versions of like shakespeare comedies and i was like what if you did it with like like macbeth you know like still a goofy funny high tragedy like but you picked like a tragedy where like everyone is dying but i'm like but it's like set in a high school in modern day and like just quirky high school thing but also oh, just horribleness and so then Kimmy and I went down a really deep <laughs> rabbit hole of like what would it look like if Macbeth was set in a high school um that is very complicated happy. um the, the three witches could just be his co-star app like sending him ominous messages oh my god that's so wait good. that's so funny because we initially made them as three middle schoolers oh interesting <laughs> like what did they just um, like not and like instead of like warring countries they were just like warring golf teams like yeah, we were like he's gonna like, want to be captain of the golf also it was mainly just we're like it's gonna be a sports team thing and he definitely is not cool enough for it to be like football or no, something like absolutely. that we're like it's got to be something a little bit where everyone's like why would you want that but also like the most entitled sports team yeah <laughs> and as i've said to many people since i it really has risen in brilliance because i'm like because in golf you just have like a blunt weapon with you at all times 
all time. So we're going to go to like actual physical violence. Like that's going to be your one. I have so many questions. I'm so interested. I'm very invested. <laughs> Hashtag would watch. Um, do, is, is, are people going to die? Is it metaphor? Uh, is there a ghost? We did think about the joke of like a social death, but we also thought it would be just unnecessarily hilarious if there was like, it's a regular high school life, but like people were getting killed. Like Heather's, if it was yeah. like- So we were like, it'll probably be a mix was our, our sort of common ground on that where we were like, some will be like, it's like a social death, like, oh, everybody, they're an outcast now. And then yeah. some will just, just be someone actually dies. I don't know what I thought the answer to that question was going to be, but I'm so <laughs> glad it was this because now it's now I can't stop thinking about it. I think the co-star thing came in my head because I'm always getting threatening ominous messages from my co-star. No, I really <laughs> like really good. somebody that is lying really to you. I'm like, Jesus, stop bullying me, you. And I feel like that's I something am. like Lady Macbeth would have like been like, get the app come on it'll help you <laughs> yeah lady macbeth for sure would be like very into astrology for like sure. modern astrology. yeah oh yeah. um and we just wanted like a loose golf cart like always available for like yeah for like instead of like a horse to ride away on golf yeah. cart amazing um so i'm sold. I'm thankful yeah. you asked that question because it's just been really us talking to each other, laughing, and like we do really want to do it, but we just have like but now it's real. Here. Now we got to do it, and now we, we have to. Do if it. we do it, we'll do the coaster thing, and we'll credit you. Don't worry. Yeah, you'll get. <laughs> you know what? I'll I'll just be a very very happy audience member. <laughs> that is such a good idea. I'm obsessed. I'm gonna be thinking about that for the rest of the day. Yes. Or Hamlet or Othello would be a weird one. Yeah, we were like, what if it's also like one of the histories, you know, like something just like really, yeah, again, just set in a high school, quirky, whatever, you know, we got yeah, and like it has like the soundtrack and like all the low rise jeans and like, Titus <laughs> Andronicus. I'm not even mad about it. Cause I like, <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of really good ones out there. There's a lot. Yeah, of yeah. This is something I've think... never even considered. And I feel like the tragedies really lend to that because the tragedies are so like high stakes ride or die and that really feels like what a high school <laughs> rom-com yeah. comedy is it's yeah. just like this is the world this is all we have and there's literally like no life outside of these storylines like in high school and it just I feel like the two really like shake hands together absolutely yeah the the way the way that in Shakespeare plays there's it's there's a very sort of communal space like they're all in the same place dealing with something um whether they want to be or not and that's that's high school for you that's why those adaptations are so successful i think it's because you're right the stakes are so high in high school yeah like she's the man mm -hmm. like the the value of high school soccer is just great right there in high school right because yeah yeah i always yeah. when i was younger, i thought they were at least in college but it's like a Boarding, like school boarding high school, school. It's like a yeah. boarding high school, which is hilarious because they're like Channing Tatum in his late twenties goes there. Yeah. Well, that's always part of it. You gotta have one actor who you're like, so that guy's thirty five, but nope, he's like also that when I was in high school. So. We'll just put him in shorts and like a baseball cap, and no one needs to. Yeah, we'll just charming himbo. Yeah, <laughs> charming himbos. Yes, charming. we love charming himbos, but it was the two thousand, so we're just gonna weave in some casual homophobia, you know. Oh, of course. Just sprinkled throughout. Just <laughs> scattered. 
So fun. That is such a genius idea. I, I will be watching this space very closely, waiting for this to happen. What about for this play in particular? Is there any, um, would, would you consider doing like a short film version of it or, or uh, anything like that? Oh, I did not think about short film version. I also um, did not think about that. Well, well I explored it in an audio medium. It does, it does seem like the kind of sort of contained and yet vast uh, thing that could be done across many mediums. Yeah, we had talked about doing it like as a web series, like doing, um, mm -hmm. that was something we talked about briefly <laughs> last summer, doing like a YouTube web series yeah what was it hank green did like the lizzie bennett oh yeah yeah if anyone's ever watched the lizzie bennett diaries i was yeah. such a like hoe for that in in high school um where it was like he did this this like they're like six minute episodes but there's like 90 of them and it's the whole of pride yeah. and prejudice and but they like do it in this really crazy complicated way that i have always wanted to do where they like made like social media platforms for all the different characters and like things happened in like the real universe as they happened in the show where like they would have you know conversations on twitter that would like be part plot points and like they wouldn't get covered in the book it would in the web series you'd have to like kind of be following everything to like get that it's like very immersive but at the same time completely not because you're just like on your own device we talked about that we were like wouldn't that be fun with this play because it's so much of like you know they come in they do these sessions and then they have these two weeks off in between sessions where they're mm -hmm. just like becoming themselves learning yeah um that is interesting and yeah so there you percolated that idea but yeah there's this really big conceit of like what happens outside of the room that affects the room in itself but with that conceit in mind, the play was straight up like three hours long, which I loved, but also like I would never want to sit through a three hour long play, nor was my brain even capable of like reading it for that much. But there was this really big idea of like, how are these characters presenting themselves in the space? Like, what are their, like, how are they retelling their experiences or their issues in a way that is like maybe hurting them or to like protect their pride? Yeah. And so then when we talked about the fact of making like social media stuff, it was like, oh, maybe there were like Twitter beefs between two of the characters Then they come in and then they start beefing in the group and you don't really know why. And just a lot of like, oh, I don't think we know the entirety of the story. And I, I think there's parts missing. And, and, and the intertextuality of, of the audience knowing mm -hmm. the whole story, quote unquote, even if you don't know yeah. all of them, um, most people have at least some sort of touchstone. <laughs> uh for <laughs> Shakespeare humor oh my god uh, for, for for these stories so um it's that is what's interesting about thinking about like the the Lizzie Bennet diaries and and this play and and uh the play that I wrote in high school where all the characters who died in the books I read in English class uh met in purgatory um that's so fun. Essentially it, <laughs> I say this with great respect for what for the term, not not in a degrading way at all. It's essentially fan fiction. And <laughs> I personally, I am a I am a I am a consumer of fan fiction. I used to write my own. And there's something so special about expanding worlds and taking characters that we all know and trying new things with them. Is that is <laughs> what do you what do you think about about that kind of 
about fan fiction and, and the way it kind of relates. I mean, Kimmy and I had, we were talking about the play when we were like prepping for rehearsals and we, I, we, at the end, I was like, we just had like an hour Zoom call where we talked about these people like they were real human beings. Like we yeah. just conversed <laughs> like we knew them. And I, but we were talking about that. And we we're like, that's kind of what's great is like all of these characters, you, when you read the Shakespeare, you see the plays, or hopefully even when you listen to our version, it's this idea of like, you want to be friends with them, like so bad. That's like the like nerdiest, worst thing in the world, but it like it, we like read I these so plays, identify that. And like, you're like, I just want to be this character's best friend. Like, I just want to hang out with them, but I can't. And so this is like the next <laughs> best thing where like, we now get to make our friends pretend to be them and like play <laughs> them in the room and then I'll, it's like living vicariously through that and so i i it's very much fan fiction it's very much like yeah that's so special that you get to give these characters who have given you so much a new story and and new life yeah. yeah like again these are like my fave characters the ones that i'm always like uh and we had it was so funny because like i do talk about these characters as if they're as if they're real and I'll be like, uh, I just feel for Miranda so much. And I hope, you know, by the end of the show that she really, or it's like, oh, and I hope after, like, I imagine these things and it's like, I love fan fiction. I love the community behind it. And I, I think it's just so it's filled with so much passion and a desire for these, these things to be real. We would, at the end, when the last, like their last therapy session, we had yeah. a long conversation <laughs> about like, oh, it would be like a potluck and like, what would everyone bring? And we were uh -huh. like, oh, well, it just, and Kimmy wrote, she was like, Benvolio would bring napkins. And I was like, that is the most <laughs> accurate thing I've ever heard. I don't even know why, but it just makes me laugh so hard. We're like, of course it wouldn't be a food item. It would just be napkins. And yeah, yeah just things like that, where we, it's like, it has no use, but at the same time, <laughs> it has so much value because it brings so much joy, you know, and like getting to yeah make these characters even more 3D and well, that's the thing. It's yeah. like, they're already very well written, which is why you want to play with them in the first place and why their stories mm -hmm. feel like they're worthy of being told. But, you know, if Shakespeare's from a long time ago. And as much as I love him, he probably didn't understand a lot of things and had some <laughs> problematic views. And uh, yeah. we wouldn't necessarily want their stories to be told by him forever for the rest of time. So like, it's great to see I, I love fan fiction and, and also any kind of um, thing like this, where it, it takes a character and goes even further with them, goes even deeper. Mm -hmm. And they get to be handled by people with different perspectives and different, different wells of knowledge until they become a fully fledged, fully realized person. And that's how these characters survive for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. You know, and that's so. So you guys are you, you're continuing you're continuing Shakespeare's legacy. <laughs> wow, just so you're honest. basically Shakespeare. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, I think that's what I'm gonna take away from this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you are now Shakespeare. That's the rule. Kimmy Honda Shakespeare. Yeah, <laughs> it just makes me happy thinking of thinking of these characters getting a second life and um some healing and for some audience members uh there there are going to be people listening who don't necessarily know a lot about Shakespeare I mean I think a lot of our listeners do and they've heard our plays and things like that but some people this may be one of their first introductions to these characters is there anything you hope that those people take away from this 
Yeah, I actually was having a conversation with someone where it's like, oh, how do you think the show will feel if I don't know any Shakespeare? And I really don't, I didn't know how to answer it because I feel like the characters are really interesting as themselves. And it's really lovely if you know things about them, but I think a lot of their issues are, I don't like calling them issues, but like for them, their issues, they're like, we're going to fix them. But we learn you can't, there's nothing to fix. You're, there's nothing wrong with you. Like things happen and you learn how to process them. Um, but it's, I feel like objectively when you like strip away all the fun characterization and all the details of the shows, the, the people are going through things that everybody goes through, whether it's to an extreme or not, um, or just like you empathize or sympathize even. Um, And so I think something that I would love for audiences to take away if they don't know anything about Shakespeare is just like, these are just people that have gone through mayhaps the most extremes, worst of the worst. And they still have like the core root is the core root of a lot of their experiences is just like, getting hurt and not wanting to be hurt anymore. They just want to stop feeling pain. And I feel like that's really a a lot of us as humans are just living every day to like living every day, trying to not be in pain. That's especially lovely and poignant considering the past year and a half we've all had. Yeah. Cause it's so easy to be isolated. It's so easy to be mad at yourself for like not feeling up for it or feeling lazy or like, again, like mental health is kind of nonsense. Like there's even like a little joke in it cause it is like kind of nonsense. And so we're just trying to like do every, we're trying our best to survive every day. And sometimes that survival need is not as high. So we can like have a little silly fun or the survival need is really high and you need to be very gentle and soft with yourself. And it's just like every day meeting yourself. And it's really lovely when you have people to do that with. Yeah. And I feel like just a little thing, cause that was beautiful and I don't really have much to add to that, but I think also <laughs> the idea that like you, those relationships in that community and those like people you want to be around, like you will still be there. And those relationships can still be built if you're being your full complete self, like all of these characters come in very guarded, but they have that moment of being like, okay, I'm going to just open up and I'm going to be honest about how I'm feeling and how I'm doing. And it's not going to be like perfect and beautiful and wrapped up in a little bow because no one's life is. And that they still, they, they say it and they get that moment to share it, but they also still get that moment to just have friends and like have silly fun times. And, and knowing that about each other doesn't change the relationship and in fact makes the relationship much stronger and much better and more yeah uh, resilient um <sighs> yes I so vibe with that thank you both for for talking about it with me today um like I said it's a it's a great show and I'm sure everybody listening will get to take all that away and um maybe do a little healing of their own as, yeah. as I did listening um, it's it's live now. You can listen to Shakespearean Support Group on Standby for Places at any podcasty place. Um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. Raw. I don't know the other ones. Frida will say it. Will say it. <laughs> but um, before we go, is there anything that you would like to plug, draw attention to, anything like that? Follow me on the on the Instagram at 
Kimmy Lawls, K-I-M-I-L-A-W-L-S. I am going to be involved in many, many cool projects in the upcoming uh, months and uh, support me. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. that's usually where I, I post a lot of things. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess a uh, good old Instagram follow is good. Um, mine is Chessie Shea, C-H-E-S-S-I-E, I think underscore H-S-I-E-H. Um, but I'm, I'm headed off to grad school, so I don't got anything like, here's a fun thing you can pay to go see or stream or whatever coming up, but there will be, there will be projects and, and things. Well, yeah, we all, we're all anxiously awaiting the high school. Well, that, so follow for that mainly. <laughs> follow, follow for it. We're going to start a I'll GoFundMe see. soon. That's just going to be like for supporting that Macbeth. But can you imagine if we had like just the biggest budget ever to like make that show happen? Because I want like all the fake blood in the world to make all that happen. Can like, you just imagine like the look of, I, I don't know why I love a good contrast of like a very clean put together outfit just covered in blood. And yeah, so like a golf, like a white golf. Yeah, know. like covered in blood. Soaked in yeah, blood. scrunch just. Yeah, oh yeah. Listen, if Riverdale can exist, then I really feel like this should be able then to. Then there's a market for there's it. There's a market. Out there. <laughs> Thank you so much for, for chatting. And uh, I hope that Utah and Boston treats you both very well, where you are respectively. And uh, yeah, everybody listening, go check out um, Shakespearean Support Group. And that's a fat bummer. And then I was thinking if about- thing that we all know, it's that that is a fat bummer. Fat bummer, quote unquote, the, the title of the yeah, interview. <laughs> the Nailed it. Thank you for joining Standby for Places in the Green Room. For more plays and behind the scenes interviews, don't forget to subscribe visit our website at standbyforplaces.org. For more behind-the-scenes content, visit us on Facebook at facebook.com standbyforplaces and our Instagram at standbyforplacespod.